with a spiritual prepper's guide to the end of the world as we know it. Today I want to talk about kitties. I'm obsessed with kitties. Kitties, is it kitties? I love kitties. I have been obsessed with kitties. Small kitties, big kitties, everything in between since birth. Case in point, the very first picture I ever drew, ever, like my mom gave me a pen and some paper. I might have still been in diapers, like 18 months, I don't know, two years, I don't know. It's fuzzy. I do have memories of it though, <laughs> but they're fuzzy. I drew a picture of our cat, Tigger. So I had cats on the brain right off the bat. Those are my qualifications for talking about kitties right now. I'm obsessed. And so on Friday, I was in a class where a good part of the time was devoted to lionesses. And I can love lions. They're just, they do the most. They kind of do a lot, and yet they don't. <laughs> they don't really actually do a lot. It's so funny. Another little tidbit here. When you listen to rangers, trackers and rangers out in the bush, sometimes they'll talk about when tourists come and some of the reactions, responses that tourists will have to seeing wild animals in the wild and they're just going about their day, their daily business. And how disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> disappointed some people are. I mean, it's the, from what I've heard and gathered, there are plenty of amazing experiences that people will have on safari or whatever they're doing out in the bush. But it it's not the rule, it's the exception. There's a lot of resting going on out there. <laughs> it's life is being busy doing life things, but there's a lot of rest involved in that. And cats, the cat family, just whatever species, they really like to snuggle and rest. And that's just true across the board. So people get out into the wild and they think they're going to see some kind of epic show. And you might, but a lot of it is, is kind of just cuddle puddles and awkward funny shenanigans anyway so we had this class on Friday and prior to this class I had read an article about a female lion a lioness in captivity who I think she was around 18 years old which is pretty old for a lion um, but it was just her and a few other female lions in their little pride and she started to grow a mane. And this is something that it's not, it doesn't seem all that common. Of course, I'm, I'm not a pro. My qualifications are just that I've been obsessed with kitties since birth. <laughs> but it doesn't seem all that common. What can happen is a lioness will grow a mane due to a hormonal issue, something going on with ovaries. But sometimes it's an adaptive response. Meaning if there are no males around, males are very central and important to lion prides. But if there are no males around, 
one of the females will take on both roles and grow a mane. So she'll be, she'll be kind of a hybrid for her pride. And we sort of went further in the class about adaptability, adapting, how nature shows this, but from a more feminine framework, from a place of, you know, when, when spiritual people, philosophical people try to break down what does feminine energy mean? What does masculine energy mean? If they're doing it right, they're not talking at all about gender. Not at all. Nature overall is described, Earth, our planet, is described or sort of categorized by a whole lot of people as being feminine or mother because the qualities of what she could call feminine energy are adaptive, creative, responsive. And that is just nature as a whole. Um, so I here now do not want to try to make some kind of feminist point or really any kind of point that has to do with any kind of ideology or any kind of ism. I'm just looking at nature and at what it's showing me and teaching me, especially about current context stuff, right? And over the last couple of years, a theme that has shown up over and over and over again is adaptability and how wrong, especially philosophical, spiritual types of people are about what evolution actually is and means. And so, when nature, and in this example, lionesses, are adapting, what they're not doing is trying to prove a point for humans. You could draw a bunch of conclusions from seeing a lioness growing a mane. You could have a feminist point of view. You could have a ancestors talking. Uh, you could have a more of like, oh, you can have it all. You can be it all. Look, nature is proving this. You can, you can take it really any way you want to. I don't want to do that. I just want to look at the adaptation that's going on here because it's, it's essential right now more than ever, but it's always been essential. But I think, I feel, I see, I know that when people get more and more into their identities and roles as I am this, and so therefore I can never be that. I like this, ergo, I don't like that. I can do this, so therefore, because I'm doing this, I cannot look at that other thing. And when it comes to chaos and uncertainty, the last thing that people might not want to do, or might do, is get more rigid. Get more rigid about who you are and who you're not. And this is so common in the spiritual marketplace and communities. 
just for, for an example, astrology, an astrological chart. You pick a chart that you really like, that resonates with you, that speaks to you. That's cool. Never mind that there are, there are like 12 other charts <laughs> that say different things. No, you know, there are repeated themes. And myself, my own practice has been to look at the repeated themes in my charts and just draw on that and then kind of just leave it alone beyond that point. But anyway, totally different topic. But we'll, you know, we'll have a chart or human design or just the Enneagrams or Myers-Briggs personality. And that's me. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's so therefore here's this whole list of things that I am. And here's this whole list of things that I'm bad at, that I can't do, that I have issues with. And it's just, there's truth to it, yes, but it's also highly rigid and dogmatic. And that's just not going to work. It doesn't work today in this moment. It never worked. And it's especially not going to work the more we see cascading effects of abrupt exponential shenanigans climate change, etc, etc. When something in nature, which is not separate from us, but I'm just, you know, trying to make sense here. When there's adaptation going on, it is a response to what is needed. What's needed? not what do I want, who am I, what am I good at, what am I not good at. <laughs> it's a response to what is needed. Uh, just one more example here from my own life. For years, I don't even know for how long, probably my whole life, I was convinced really with no evidence at all <laughs> there wasn't evidence there, but I was convinced that I was a terrible cook. I was no good at cooking. I couldn't cook, blah, 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 the things with food, the things with the things. I just told absolutely everyone, I'm so bad at this. And I'm not saying this is always going to be the case with skills and abilities and gifts, but a lot of times there will be a big resistance around an important aspect of a calling or dharma or purpose or organic flavor that someone is born as. And there will be a resistance to it. To it. There will be a disliking, even a hatred of it. There will be ignoring, repressing. This is really common, I think, for pretty much everyone. And it got to a point where the, the evidence to the contrary was so overwhelming about my cooking abilities, about just working with herbs, plants, food. It would have been absurd for me to keep up with the story that I was no good at it. I could have, and a lot of people do. You'll stick with the story, with that ego identity, until death. 
till your very last breath, you will cling and cling and cling and not want to let it go. Because that's who I am, right? No. No. So I found pretty quickly, <laughs> so fast too, <laughs> that not only was I great at cooking, everything relating to brewing up, blending up, mixing up, creating from plants, from herbs and spices, from vegetables, from nuts and proteins and fats, you name it. I had this natural, intuitive wealth of information like already encoded in me. It was already there. I love recipe blogs. I love book. Like if I had known 10 years ago that I would, most of the books I have are related to medicine making, herbs, spices, fermenting, foraging, cooking. Like I would not have believed anyone if they had told me that. And not only do I have a natural affinity for working with food and medicine, it is an adaptive skill in these times that, especially through the pandemic, so many people were like, oh shit, <laughs> I am so reliant on the grocery store. I am so reliant on whatever, on Amazon. What happens if things are really foobar and I don't know how to get food? And I've talked about this before. There was really a big influx. And it wasn't a tsunami because it wasn't really still mainstream. It still isn't mainstream. And I don't think it ever would be. But there were a lot of people that were like, oh, snap, we better figure out homesteading skills. We better figure out fermenting and canning and drying and processing. We better figure out herbalism. We better figure out how to raise our own chickens. We better have garden. Like everybody wanted to start a garden, right? So not only have I found a sense of peace by surrendering to this natural upswelling of this gifting and ability with food and stuff, but it has been for me an adaptive response to an increasingly chaotic and uncertain food system, but also so much less than that and so much more an opening into a relationship and reconnecting with the land that um, I'm not original to. I'm not an original to this land. And the thing about land if you will forgive me for a little bit of woo here. I know you do. It is so forgiving. Especially if you show up humble and willing to be humbled. You will unlock these doors to a sense of place, purpose, belonging, safety an abundance if you let it, if you allow it. So I think I'm going to wrap it up right around now, but that's what I got from, from, from seeing more about lionesses in the wild and how adaptable they are. And everybody, not everybody, most people look to the showy things in nature, the plumage, 
the mains, the roars, the big shows. That is a very important part. No diminishing that whatsoever. But it's very often the female bodies, the, the animals that are not male, that are the most adaptive and resilient. And it is adaptation and resilience that is the foundation of nature, of life on earth. And it is why you and I are even here. We're here because of adaptation, resiliency and flexibility. And I just think that looking around us, seeing these examples of a willingness and ability and a skill to be adaptable and resilient rather than rigid and I like this, I don't like that, I'm this, I'm not that. It's so much more than just a mental intellectual exercise or the stimulating spiritual or philosophical or self-help fun. It, it really is for however long we've got for however long things go as they go however they go it is priceless to be adaptable it is priceless to be resilient and flexible that is the number one air quotes skill that I would love to see more air quotes spiritual people especially but anyone interested anyone feeling pulled and called back to nature it's the adaptability that is the sexiest thing now and and in the time to come okay thanks for listening do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and watch videos of trackers, safari people who are doing good work as far as raising awareness, conservation, things like that, and who are concerned with only having what they call virtuous encounters with animals and wildlife and plants and stuff when they're out there. Um, I have a couple of those resources listed on my website. But you will find some of the most funny, humble, yet confident, naturally confident, confidently humble, which is so sexy, people on the planet. And you will see firsthand that a lot of the myths and assumptions and presumptions and projections that we have about how wildlife is, how it works, how wild spaces work are so wrong. And at the same time, how funny nature is, how funny these animals are, how ridiculous and awkward they can be, how vulnerable they are, and how much they love <laughs> to rest. <laughs> There's just not a lot happening out there. <laughs> it's a whole lot of naps. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye!